Hi, everybody. I have some exciting news. I am launching a Substack. I know. I keep telling you how I'm not a writer, and I'm still not a writer, but I am going to be writing about reading over on Substack. The Substack is called Unstacked, and you can find it at tracythomas.substack.com. There will be free options every Friday. There'll be a bunch of weekly roundups, announcements, all the shit I'm into. And then if you want to upgrade yourself to the paid subscription, I'm going to have author interviews, bonus episodes, anticipated reads, book pairings, community chats, all sorts of stuff. So, If that sounds like something you'd be into, go to tracythomas.substack.com and join Unstacked. And of course, I've got a special offer for you. If you go to tracythomas.substack.com slash the stacks 10, you get 10% off your first year membership of Unstacked. You have from now until April 4th to redeem. Again, that's tracythomas.substack.com slash the stacks 10 for 10% off Unstacked. Okay, that's enough. Let's listen to this episode. Welcome back to The Stacks, a book podcast hosted by me, Tracy Thomas. For The Stacks Book Club, we're discussing Rap Dad by Juan Vidal today. Back again for more fun is actor Josh Segarra. There are a little bit of spoilers this week, but not really because there isn't a ton to spoil in the book. So I'm just giving you that kind of semi-warning. Also, if you haven't yet, go back and check out our episode of The Short Stacks with author Juan Vidal, where he talks about his process in writing Rap Dad. As you all know, The Stacks is a completely free podcast. And if you feel inclined to help support the show, you can do so by going to patreon.com slash the stacks. By joining the Stacks Pack through Patreon, you help to make the show happen every single week. As we grow the show, we need more help to continue to keep up the website, continue with the short stacks, and my big goal is to hire a sound person to make the show sound even better. In exchange for your generosity, you earn perks, and I don't want to spoil too much, but merch is on the way. Plus, the virtual book club is always an awesome perk, and there's so much more great stuff over at patreon.com slash the stacks, so go check it out and help make this show a reality. If a monthly subscription isn't your thing, you can also do one-time contributions by going to paypal.me slash the stacks pod. Also in the show notes, you'll find links to everything we talk about on today's episode. Shopping through these links gives the stacks a small commission and it comes at no cost to you. So if you're shopping anyway, why not help out this podcast by shopping through our links? Are you following the stacks on our social media? If not, you should. You can find links to our accounts in the show notes. Follow us and make sure you never miss any exciting announcements, book reviews, and upcoming giveaways. Please take a moment to subscribe, rate, and review this show. It goes a long way to helping us reach new audiences and in turn be able to book new guests. So if you haven't yet, take a moment, rate, and review this show. Our most recent review comes from Sean with a coffee and smile. Here's what they say. Thank you, Tracy, for creating the show and introducing me to books I would never normally read. I love everything about the show and can't wait to see what this next year brings. Thank you so much, Sean, and thank you all so much for listening to the show and giving us ratings and reviews. I cannot tell you how much it helps and how appreciative I am to all of you. Okay, now it's time for my conversation with Josh Segarra about Rap Dad by Juan Vidal. All right, y'all, we are back with another episode of The Stacks. And today for The Stacks Book Club, we are talking about Rap Dad by Juan Vidal. Uh, The book is called Rap Dad, a story of family and the subculture that shaped a generation. And our guest again today is actor Josh Segarra. Josh, welcome back. Thanks, Trace, for having me. We're happy that you're here. Okay, last week we talked a bunch about this book. We kind of like teased it. You said that you really liked it, that it taught you a lot, that it made you cry. Yeah. What else? What did you think of the book? My son was born now a little over two years ago. His birthday is September 30th. And ever since he got here, it's process, right? Mm-hmm. You're just learning what this thing feels like. Mm-hmm. Fatherhood, you mm-hmm. know. Um, and reading Rap Dad, man, Juan just kind of, he, he put into words a lot of the things that I'd been feeling at different times, whether they be big thoughts, small thoughts, uh, uh, things that keep you up, things that let you sleep better. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and uh, yeah, that's what I thought of it, you know, kind of hearing his journey growing up and then, you know, uh, his journey with the church 
and then his journey uh, as a father. And now he's got four kids, I believe. Four, four? kids, yeah. He's got four kiddos, man. So I got a lot to learn from that man. So I was just trying to take as much as I could from these pages. Man, four kids. Yeah. That's no joke. That's no joke. I was like, mm. <laughs> That's respect I mean, he, right there, Even in the there, book, brother. he was like, yeah, I have four kids. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like, that's right. You sure do. <laughs> I'm sitting here like, do I want to have a child? You're going to be the I best mom. I don't know. But you. four kids, I feel strongly that I don't, I don't think I could hang. I liked the book. I liked Juan a lot. Like, I felt like I would want to be friends with him through reading his book. Like, just like knowing that someone wrote a book about being a parent in hip hop, I was like, that's already dope. Like, the person who thinks that way is someone that I feel like I could be cool with, Mm -hmm. right? So, like, I went in with, like, a very warm feeling towards him. For me, some of the book, I just felt like it was a little disjointed at times. Like, I didn't really know what the point was. But there are moments or like vignettes or flashes throughout this book that I think are like awesome and so amazing. And then there were just other parts that I felt like just felt like connector for me. And some of it might be that I'm not a man and some of it might be that I'm not a parent and some of it might be that I'm not Colombian. And like, so there were things that I might not have, that like might've missed for me that Mm. might've landed for you or someone else just based on like where you're coming from. Mm -hmm. Cause I don't think, and this is not, a pan. I think this is, I mean this in the most positive way. I don't think that this book is for everybody. Mm. And like, I think that that's okay. Like Mm. I, I almost appreciate it more when a book is for a specific audience and someone's taking the time to talk about like this tiny thing Mm. instead of trying to be like life. Like Mm. we all relate, you Mm -hmm, know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I don't know. Like, I feel like there's TV shows like that too, or like movies where you're like, this is like, so this is like, for such a small audience. Mm. And I don't think this book is for that small of an audience, but I do think that like some of this book just like wasn't necessarily intended for me. And so it didn't land with me. Well, I a hundred percent see what you're saying, you know, and the other side of that coin to me is that there were so many things that were so specific, right? That when I'm in conversation with people that I try to explain that I have no idea how to explain. Right. And there were things in there that I felt like, oh my God, Juan, I'm just going to, do you mind if I just take this paragraph and say <laughs> right. it to somebody right. if they ask right. something? So it that, that's twofold. I hear that and then it makes me go, oh, then maybe that is a good thing about this book that right. it's it's describing this journey as, and in his words, uh, a fatherless generation where hip hop was the father. Whereas my father was very present in my life and I regard him as my superhero. Right. Um, But my mom too, I had very present parents and hip hop for me was more of an identity that I was chasing as a kid. I wanted to be cool. I wanted to have swag. Right. I was listening to Christian hip hop, you know, which at the time was not that cool. (laughs) You know, like, but like, but that was the time. Yeah. Always. (laughs) Backslash never was that cool. playing. I'll pop it on every once in a while still. I'll listen to a little Kirk Franklin, you know, like I listen to my man. I was going to say, I was going to say, can we talk? Like, do we think it is? I think like the closest thing to like really like famous actual pop Christian hip hop would be Chance the Rapper. Chance, especially that coloring book now. Yeah, I mean, I joke because... But I wouldn't even call him a Christian rapper. No, but I'm saying like the closest thing to like Christian and rapness. It's like gospel hop or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know a guy named Andy Mineo? I do. love Andy Mineo. He sings that song, You Can't Stop Me. That's exactly it. I played that at Flywheel and I secretly figured out that it was Christian rap, but I pretend like it's not. (laughs) He used to be sea light. Like Christian light? I think so. Uh, or Christ, Christ-like. Yeah. Oh, see, can't wait know. to ask Andy. Andy, tell me about your. It's <laughs> my man. I mean, I think that Juan was also a Christian rapper. Oh yeah, 100%. that's. I mean, that comes across oh, in the yeah. book. 100%. So he was like 100%. out doing like missionary rap. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what he was doing. Him and uh, and his partner. Uh, no, I mean, like that was that was the thing, dude. Like growing up in the church, and then moving to New York at eighteen. Mm-hmm. My head was in fifty million different right. places, right? And I hadn't, and I, and I've rapped with people about it since then, and I've, I, I've had my own journey with religion, you know, and that started when I moved to New York and left the safe haven that was my church, and mm-hmm. you start learning about the rest of the world, and mm-hmm. we can talk about that another day, but that journey that he talked about, like 
man, going to churches and, and, and praise and worship and all, man, that was such a pivotal part of my youth. Right. But that, it's interesting because in his story, mm-hmm. at least from what how I got it, he wasn't really raised in the church. No, he like, found he God. Found the, like, Which he is, found the church. Correct. He didn't even find God. Like, he, no. like, met some kids who were like, we're going to church. And he was like, all right. Yeah. Like, and they were sick. They were sick like, lyricists. They like, were sick rappers. I'll come too. Yeah. Hell like, yeah. And then he talks about like one of the things that really stuck out to me is the way that he talks about religion and God, especially in the beginning, is like a very analytical take on it that I felt I was like, that's interesting that you're looking at like he it was like almost like a math equation to him. It was like this much goodness and this much good deed and this much missionary and this much that and like that's what makes God. And I feel like that's so rare that people come to religion, A, outside of family, and B, from a point of view where you're dissecting it as you're believing in it. Because part of faith is just that you believe and you trust. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. his faith was like very much tied up in like this equation Mm. of God and deed and faith. Yeah. So I found that really interesting. I'm with you. Like that was one of my favorite parts of the whole book because – my parents found the church when I was born, when I was like five or six. So after I was okay. born, so it was when my brother was born, actually. And I was raised in it, right? And and I used to give sermons on, mm. on Friday nights. I was a 12-year-old kid trying to teach the, the congregation <laughs> of God about livelihood. Like, what did I know, you know? But uh, you were taught these skills. Now at 32, I look back and I have no resentment towards the church, but mm. I have a lot of friends that do have a lot of resentment towards right. the church, you know? But I don't because, and I don't, I never was able to put my finger on it until reading this. Right. Because I realized that now I look back at my time in the church very analytically. Right. It taught me how to speak to adults. Right. It gave me presence of mind. It taught me how to make choices for myself. Right. Because when you're getting told as a 13-year-old, like, yeah, you can either go to your eighth grade dance, <laughs> and if Jesus were to come back right now, you'll go to hell. <laughs> or, or you can choose such and such and come to church and do this thing. Those were very big decisions for me at 12, mm-hmm. 13, mm-hmm. 14 years mm-hmm. old. Reading Juan's description of it all, man, I was just like, yep, that's another thing. That's another thing. Like how he talked about how he didn't see God in a lot of his growing of his growing up, you know, in his youth. He didn't see the Lord that they were talking about. Mm-hmm. So he had to actively pursue that thing that they were right. talking about. But that's tough to do, man. Yeah. It's tough to find this peace that everyone in the church seems to right. have. And then you realize that, oh, we're all just actively pursuing. It's just how we get there. Well, you know? right. And like what what things you use to help yourself get there. Exactly. I feel like Juan has a strong moral compass, whether or not he is credited with it or you credit, you know, God or religion with it. It's Juan's. It's Juan's. I mean, I, to me, it felt like that's just yeah. like who he is. Yeah. One of the moments that really stuck out was when he found the wallet or the purse or whatever. Oh, yeah. So yes. That's he's great. like, I found this purse and I'm super excited and I'm going to return it. Even though I could use the money, I'm going to return it. Yeah. So he like returns it. The lady comes and he's like, I'm about to get this reward. About like, this about money. to be dope. There's hella cash in here. Yeah. Like, I'm good. Yeah. And she gave him 10 bucks and he like went home and was like, this is so whack. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like telling his boys, like, hoping to get, like, yeah, some, was like it some cre- the, like, yeah, he, like, credit for it? Family, like, I did this. And they were like, <laughs> what? In God's name. But I did. I liked, I liked that moment a lot. I, I could relate mm. to that. But see, I'm not religious at all. And I would do the same thing because yeah. I just am, like, a really goody-goody two-shoes. And it's funny that depending on what you believe in how you justify things like that. Like, I just say like, oh, that's just who I am. Like, I would just love a rule. I'm a rule follower. And for him, like, that was tied up in being a good Christian. Exactly. Even though there are people who are good Christians who would have taken the money. Correct. And like, so, (laughs) you know. You said the right word. When he analyzes religion, when he analyzes his journey through faith and humanity and Christianity, dude, it was just so, it resonated so much with me be, and I, because I appreciated his honesty and his candor in which he would describe the problems that he had at times with his faith, the problems that he has at times with fatherhood, mm-hmm. with husbandry, with being mm-hmm. a family. Like, dude, you're always just trying to figure out how to do it all. Right. You're, you're, and, 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 and faith, Christianity, that requires focus too. Right. And he talked about his struggles with that. 
I just appreciated that. You yeah. know, he didn't have to be that honest. We I've read a lot of stories about people saying how easy all of these things are. Sure. But they're not. Sure. Yeah. And he definitely comes from a place of like, I don't have a single answer, which mm-hmm. I love. Mm-hmm. I love when people don't have answers. Mm-hmm. I recently read this book that I've been gushing about. It's called The Reckonings, and it's a bunch of essays by this amazing woman. Her name's Lacey Johnson. Mm-hmm. And she's talking about like really complicated challenging issues of our current moment so she's talking about oil spills and she's talking about you know calling out like rape culture and she's talking about you know the abuse of women all this stuff and throughout the book she'll say these sentences where she's like this and this and this and this and then she'll just say i think and it's not in a place of like i think i'm so dumb i don't get it but it's literally her saying i'm thinking about this and there's something so gratifying to hear a person who has a book that's published and put out into the world by a major publisher saying i'm still thinking about this yeah like i'm not sure it allows it allows me in right and it allows us as the reader to say i'm also thinking about this and i think maybe i think different about this or maybe i think exactly the same or maybe i think you're wrong you know but there's this like there's room for a conversation between the reader and the author and i feel like juan did a great job of allowing his reader in because like i said not everything in this book hit for me like not everything landed but i felt like i had room to have that opinion also because of the way that it's written and i'm gonna say this now even though we're already like 15 minutes in there might be spoilers today but it's kind of hard to spoil this book yeah yeah don't there's not i mean this big spoiler is that he becomes a dad. And yeah. surprise, the title's called Rap Dad. So yeah. if you thought he wasn't a dad, <laughs> your reading comprehension, we could work on it. We could definitely work on it. Um, but so there, so you know, there might be spoilers, but there's not a ton to spoil. I think, right? Like, no, I agreed. It's more just his story, and, yeah, and you know, cool to be story. fair, nothing, nothing really happens. Like, there's no mate. Like, that's also what's kind of interesting about the book. It's like his life is not exceptional. It's, but it is like great in its normalness like he's you know he suffers minor traumas or setbacks or you know has these like debates and things but you know he's not there's nothing that would that would define this book as a thing that happens Mm. right Mm. which i also find refreshing Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. i see i the, the word to me exceptional is that he's a dad you right, know, like right. that's the, so that's a that, spot on, you know, right. like it's, it's, it's something that, and that's what the conversation really is, is that he's driving is that like, we're just trying to redefine these pictures right. of what we think is my, is normal. And right. what used to be normal was a distant father. What used sure. to be normal was what the old ways of looking at families. And right. now we're just redefining it. And because of that redefinition, you know, it is exceptional. Yeah. You know? Do you, so when you picked up the book, and you saw the title Rap Dad. Mm. What did you think of rap? Like, what did you think the book was going to be? I thought it was pretty. I think it gave me the exact picture of what this was, you know, uh, what how hip hop influenced fathers. Okay. I didn't know that he was going to describe how it basically was his absent father, you know, like how mm. hip hop took the place yeah. of his father. How, how uh, I think at the beginning he says that, like, uh, uh, who was it that he was quoting? Was it Talib Kweli that was that said that, like it, it can't or Nas that like hip hop can't teach us mm-hmm. what mothers and fathers should, but it's definitely a guidebook, you sure. know, like it can give us those those sure. those. And uh, so yeah, when I read Rap Dad, it made me think about like a hip hop dad. It made me think of like what we are today. And right. I think yeah, that's what it ends Interesting. up being. So yeah. when I saw it, I it thought was? it was gonna be like more of a memoir, more of a story of him. Like I thought the first part of the book was gonna be like twenty pages of like this is my backstory. And then I thought it was gonna be like and then I accidentally became a dad. Like I thought it was gonna be all about him figuring out how to become a dad as someone who like loved hip hop. Uh. So I was thinking it was like more of like a coming of age into fatherhood story, mm. which it kind of is. Yeah, yeah. But when I then started to think about it, after like the twenty pages where I was like, "Oh, he should be getting like he should be getting his girlfriend pregnant soon or whatever," right? Because that's what I thought was going to happen. Then I was like, "Oh, rap is the dad." Yeah. And then I was later like, "Oh no, no, he is a dad and likes rap." And then I was like, "Oh, a rap dad is a thing." Uh. But like the title kind of morphed throughout the uh, book yeah, right yeah, like like uh-huh. you're saying like rap was like a parent uh-huh, to him uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. 
Um, and I think, I think it's right. I think that, you know, obviously music can't take the place of a parent, yeah. but I do think, I mean, even for myself, like we're so, um, when we talked on the short stack, Swan said he was born in 1981, which is my brother's age. You and I are 86. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like I learned so much about history, recent history through rap music. Truth. Like I would never have known anything about Ronald Reagan as far as like his policies on drugs and black people and urban people and like all of that stuff. If it weren't for like Jay-Z. Mm-hmm. Like there's so much that I've learned and like this is going to sound really naive and you know sorry that I was I had a very privileged upbringing but like I would never have known about like crack dealers if it weren't for like the 10 crack commandments like I learned not to get high on my own supply you know like I learned so (laughs) which is like sounds so stupid to say now but like I learned about a group of people that I am connected to through my ethnicity and my race that I might not have been exposed to Mm. through my own parents Mm. or like through my upbringing so I do feel like rap was like a not a parent to me because like you know I lived I was brought up in a two-parent home but that there was they were like a it's like a teacher yeah like shit you weren't learning in school you could learn in a rap song true and like I would go to my brother and be or actually I should say this way my brother loves to tell teach me everything like he loves to he's one of those people who just loves to be like did you know like he like has a fact always (laughs) so we'd be like listening to music and it'd be like Brenda's got a baby and be like do you know and I'm like oh Brenda's a teenager who's pregnant. Teenagers can be pregnant. This is before like like teenage mom. Like, oh my God. So I do, I I related to that. Yeah. Like being like, oh, I can learn things that I'm not learning in school that are still like history. Of course. And rap, hip hop culture is fucking cool. It's the best. I mean, it, it to he taught me a lot. That track list, I don't know a lot of those songs. I didn't know a lot of the songs either. So, it's at the end of the book, and it's very cool. Yeah, I, I, I have my Rap Dead playlist on my phone. Do you have phone. a Spotify yeah, playlist? Of course really? I do. It's all of them on there. And, and, and hearing him describe hip-hop and rap helping him grow up, music was a big part of my growing up, but, right. but I listen to a lot more hip-hop and rap now that I learn from a lot now. Mm-hmm. Chance's Coloring Book, mm-hmm. Jay, I mean a lot of Jay's albums like he described so even hearing Juan talk about the albums currently or the ones in the past few years those are the ones that I started to right. jump into and be like oh man Coloring Book was on repeat when mm. Gus was born you right. know right. I still sing you are very special yeah. uh, I still sing that to him mm. every night because those things resonate you know um, and I, I turn to hip hop a lot now you know to, to either get hyped to get confident <laughs> right. you know so yeah yeah do you well, so you're a Puerto Rican. Yeah. I'm not going to like lump all Latino men together, but I am <laughs> going to kind of lump all Latino men together. Yeah. Watch me do it now. Uh, it's a magic trick. Do you feel like mental health was something that was talked about in your family? Absolutely not. Because he makes it pretty clear that in his family, he calls it the sadness until like, I don't know, the last yeah. 20 pages. He That's maybe exactly goes back it. and talks about it. Yeah. But did you feel like there was a lot of mental health issues with like the men in your life? growing up no like i i I take a a deep breath because yeah you know like he goes into machismo and Mm -hmm. i thought that was pretty interesting Mm -hmm. you know um because in in puerto rican culture in latin culture but in my you know in my family i have i have some men in my life that are uh that would be classified as uh machis have a lot of machismo Mm -hmm. but i'll tell you the truth like the men my father my uncles they're not like that. Mm-hmm. They're very sensitive men. Mm-hmm. They're very um, gentle men, mm-hmm. let's say. It allowed me the space to be an emotional wreck sometimes sure. as a kid because they loved me endlessly. Right. So when I was reading, when he talked a lot about mental health or the sadness, mm-hmm. I just kept thinking back to my dad. I thought about his journey leaving. He was born in New York. He was born in the Bronx, and he moved to Puerto Rico uh, when he was nine. Uh, I thought about my mom, who was a military brat, you know, and was born in Kentucky and moved to Puerto Rico when she was a kid, and uh, and just how the, how the journey that they went through uh, to give us the life that we have. So I think my mom and I think my dad for allowing the space to say, Josh, it's okay that you're sad or it's okay to cry, right. Bobby. It's okay. So 
yeah, that whole part where he talks about that, I get it 100% because I see those men all the time. I saw them in church all the time. Sure. I would see them, you know, buck up, man, or, or or this and that. But the men that had the most influence in my life, nah, they were, couldn't trade them for anything, you know. Lucky you. I'm a lucky kid That's in that good. sense. It's truth. Yeah, I think about it a lot. I think in mo- many communities of color, not just the men, but everybody, there's this idea of like, a need to be strong. Yeah. And I think some of that comes from how terribly racist America is and that, you know, people of color feel like they have to be twice as good and that they can't ever let anybody see them slipping or anything like yeah. that. Or what the definition of strong is. Right. And that know? also what the definition of like the sadness is, right? right? Like if your parents are working three jobs to try to make sure that you and your siblings can do this and that, they don't have time to sit down and decompress their yeah. own mental state, let alone like talk to you about yours or your other yeah. family members and all that kind of stuff. But I do think that it's cultural. There's also not the language in certain cultures for depression or the way that we talk about it in America. Yeah. But I did find that part really interesting. And like 100%. he had suffered um, some suicides in his family or attempted suicides. And I just thought, you know, it's really common in mm. communities of color and it's just really not talked about. And it's almost like in America, only white people are allowed to be depressed mm. and everyone else is just like, Oh, they're having a bad day. Right. Mm. Like, and that it's, it's, it's like, it's a privilege to be depressed. Just like it's a privilege to be addicted to opioids as opposed mm. to being a crackhead. Mm. Right. Like that mm-hmm. these, these drugs that are infesting mm-hmm. are, and, and in, in saying that, I want to be clear. I'm not saying it's a privilege to be a drug addict. It's a terrible thing. But I'm saying that the language around mm-hmm. it well, and the way that we're responding to the opioid crisis is the way that we should be trying to respond to all people who are addicted mm-hmm. and not just people who are addicted in middle parts of the country yeah. and white communities. Um, but I, I do think he kind of plays with that. And I will say, I wished he had talked more about machismo because I think mm. it's something that like you understand that he probably understands because it's so much part of his culture mm-hmm. and like so much part of being a, a Latino man but like it's different for different cultures and I would have just loved to hear him expound on mm. it more because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. if you're not exposed like if that's not something that you're used to mm. like I know about it but I didn't I w- could have learned more do you know of what course, I mean of course I mean the thought that runs through my brain <clears throat> I don't I would love to hear Juan go into it even more so, like you said, but it just it just kept clicking with me because that's something that I think about all the time with Gus. It's like right. how to instill fear in him, mm-hmm. but still just be loving to him, mm-hmm. make him feel strong, let him develop his characteristics that he's gonna be. Right, you right, know, right. like you see all the you see all those things reflected back at you, you know. And we're trying to figure out the things that made, I, I I think all the time about like what defined me as a kid, like, and it was just kind of seeing my dad, who he was, you know, seeing right. my uncle, who he was. Taking care of your health isn't always easy, but it should be at least simple. That's why for the last three plus years, I have been drinking AG1 every day, no exceptions. It's just one scoop mixed in water once a day, every day. And it makes me feel nourished and strong enough to tackle whatever else might come my way. That's because each serving of AG1 delivers my daily dose of vitamins, minerals, pre and probiotics, and a lot more. It's a powerful, healthy habit that's also powerfully simple. The nutritional insurance that AG1 provides has been vital to keeping me productive and focused. It helps me cover my bases in just about the time it takes to fill a glass of water, scoop in one scoop of AG1, and then drink it. So I don't know, 75 seconds? With the perfect mix of vitamins, probiotics, and nutrients from Whole Foods, I'm not stuck trying to assemble it all by myself, which would have considerably worse results. AG1 saves me all the time and hassle, and it has made such a difference in my overall mood and especially my gut health, among many other things. But don't take my word for it. Go ahead and try AG1. Let me know what you think. Whether you notice you're needing more nutrient support than you're used to, or you just need an edge for a tough workout, AG1 can be the ticket. If there's one product I had to recommend to elevate your health, it's AG1, and that's why I've partnered with them for so long. If you want to take ownership of your health, start with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3, K2, and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase exclusively at drinkag1.com slash the stacks. That's drinkag1.com slash the stacks. Check it out. 
Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This episode is brought to you in part by Noom. Forget one-size-fits-all diets. With Noom, you get a personalized weight loss plan that's tailored to your lifestyle. No food is off-limits. Enjoy your favorites while discovering healthier habits. Noom's users love the flexible approach, blending psychology and biology to help you lose weight in a way that's sustainable for you. And great news for foodies. Noom just released the Noom Kitchen Cookbook with 100 delicious, healthy recipes. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Com. Grab your copy of The Noom Kitchen wherever books are sold. One of the other like anecdotal stories from Juan's life was his dad, who had his own demons for yeah, sure, and yeah. he was addicted to things, including womanizing. But the fucking craziest thing I've ever heard is that he took Juan on a date with That's him. That's crazy. <laughs> I was like, this can't be real. Like, this it's is... wingman of the century right there. But Juan. like, he was like, go be away. <laughs> I know. It was like also so entertaining and sad. And, it was and, like both and things. All the things. Yeah. You know, it's definitely course. like a scene in a movie or something where you're like, oh my God, who is this dad? Yeah. But yeah. I was... thought it was, you know, him talking about his pa. I love that he had. I, I I appreciate that he told us about his dad. Mm-hmm. That's I'm sure that wasn't easy mm-hmm. because then that evolves into like I, I love him talking about how he wanted to be a dad. When mm-hmm. He knew he wanted to be a dad at like 16, mm-hmm. 17 because I did too. Uh, that's what, I always dreamed about having a kiddo, meeting my wife. But and, did and you ever family. go to any parenting seminars before you had kids? That's where my man Juan. I can't I wait to tell him that is died. the best. That I is died. the best. I was thing reading it I've just being heard. like. Wait, so he actually like And just, I love that he went and told his girlfriend too. Like yeah. I didn't I thought he was single when he went. He's like, No, no, no. I had a girlfriend. Like, I went to and this like he was compelled <laughs> to go. But but so I appreciated that because <laughs> he then didn't go down this road of I wanted to be a dad at seventeen and it was awesome and peaches and cherries and, and right. everything. He explained, like, yo, just because I thought this at one point mm-hmm. then led to this other thing. And that was kind of nutty sometimes, right. you know, right. like I felt like I wasn't balancing it the best way I could at all times. So I just appreciated that, man, that even though you've been thinking about something since you were a teenager, it doesn't mean that you have it all figured out when you get right. there. You know? No, totally. You know? Yeah. I, yeah. Uh, remind me that I want to go to a parenting seminar, but I don't want to be a parent. <laughs> yeah, I just want to go and experience it. That'd like be really funny. Like, I'm sure he came up with like names for his kids and whatever. Mm-hmm. Like he had a whole backstory mm-hmm. that he created like 100%. just in case. And I'm sure he just sat in the back and like nobody noticed. <laughs> One of the things that he does throughout the book, which I, uh, what I think he did it so well. And I think that it was really good was that he used his words, his vernacular, his phrases. Agreed. Like he would say stuff like, you know, um, on the come up or whatever. Yes. And like, thank you. Yes, 100%. But he didn't do it in an annoying way where it was like every sentence was like, yo, then I went to the store and saw my pops. And he, like, yeah. he just would throw it in. Like, because it was just like, this is, there isn't a standard English way to say this. And it was just felt really natural and great. And I was like, thank you. I always like when people use their language. True. Especially in their memoir. Truth. I'm just like sure that's you yeah that's how you say that we talked uh last week uh, uh about how I like to read and I read a lot of times just research based mm-hmm, mm-hmm. now you saying that makes me realize why I think I love the book even more so is because I felt like I was talking with Juan you know like right. he was telling me stories about his life and I'd never left Juan Juan was my boy that I was sitting next to and he was just mm-hmm. telling me like hey man don't stress about right. the thing you're stressing about, bro. Right. I've been there. Right. Don't stress about the thing you're worried about. I've been there right. and I've come out the other side. Right. Yeah, I just feel like I was sitting there with him. So you're spot on with that. Yeah. The vernacular. Yeah, you're right. I'm going to ask you this. You're a parent. You're an artist. Juan, it's both of those things. And he kind of, he doesn't expressly say it, but he kind of dances around the idea. And so I'm going to ask you, do you feel like your big, goal of becoming an actor 
has been changed or sacrificed for your other big goal of being a dad? Mm. Or maybe another way to say that is, have you had to redefine success? I was just going to say, like, no, you don't... I'll tell you this. Sacrifice. It's all I think about. <laughs> it's all I think about, and I and and I mean that as a positive thing. Before Brace and Gus were even in the picture, Brace you know, is your wife. Brace is my wife. Before they were in the picture, when we were in college, you know, like I never really had a big clear picture of what I wanted the end to look like. Mm-hmm. I know the things I've wanted in my life, and right at the top of the list was to be successful and to have a family, mm-hmm. right? And I think the only reason I knew what those two things were is because I had food on my plate all the time. Mm-hmm. I got cool things for Christmas from my mm-hmm. parents. <laughs> I had a really happy childhood. And as I got older, I realized it was my parents worked really, really hard to give that to us. And they told us that they loved us all the time. So becoming a dad has made my goal as an actor, it's redefined it. Because before family, it's selfish. You can say you want to make, you you know, you want to help your family out. There's those that have that, but my family's doing fine. Mm -hmm. So they just want me to be happy. Right. So I go, okay, okay, okay. I just want to be happy. So how do you define happiness? Oh, it's because it's, 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 it's the, the work that you put into something comes back out when you appreciate the art that was created. So Juan says something in his book that stuck with me, man. And it is that Gus is my best work of art. Mm. It's that Gus is our project. It takes years, and I'm still in the process of it, to forgive myself for some of my art, if -hmm. that makes sense. Mm -hmm. There are some nights on stage where you're not there. Right. And you go, man, that felt crazy. And those nights I'd beat myself up a lot if I felt like, man, I didn't give these people that just went to their first Broadway show their Broadway experience. And then when you finally get out of all that, you realize, like, no, man, it was there. Right. It just didn't feel the same way it always does. So you have to forgive yourself for those things. Sure. With Gus, he's my best work of art. I've lost a lot of sleep already in these two years because I'm wondering, oh, man, maybe I shouldn't baby talk him as much. You know, like right. maybe I'm not helping him with his vocabulary or like maybe I need to do this or maybe I want to I want to make sure that Brace is happy and she feels like like I'm around. If I'm working five days a week, I don't want her to feel like this woman stuck in some house with this right. toddler who doesn't, right. you know, like. And then I talked to her and she laughs at me. You know, right. she's like, hey, why are you thinking crazy like that? Right. But it's because. To answer your question, 100% it's redefined it. (laughs) But I don't know what the answer is because I feel successful right now. Mm -hmm. I'm in process. So that 16-year-old kid that just goes, hey, man, you just got to make it, Mm -hmm. whatever that terminology Mm -hmm. means. Trace, I'm sitting across from you. We're sitting in L.A. and (laughs) we're here and look at where we've gotten, you know. That's got to be success to us. If not, we're going to kill ourselves by the end of it. So then with Gus, it's that. It's definitely redefined it. He's redefined it. And I think think the answer is that, like, I just want uh, what you asked me last week. At the end of this whole journey, man, who knows what movies have been out there. Who knows what's going to look like. But I'll tell you what, if my son hates me, none of it was worth it. Right. Do you ever think, like, there are certain roles that you wouldn't take because of Gus? I've thought a lot about that, and I don't know, I don't think there will be, because, thanks, this is why you're good at this, Trace, because you (laughs) brought me back, because I'm thinking about all these other things. Sacrifice, right? Like, when you go into it, when when you're offered these parts, there's nobody else to think about other than yourself. Sure. So you're you're spot on, where now I'm thinking about my family, I'm thinking about my mom, I'm thinking Mm -hmm. about Gus, I'm thinking about Brace, but what's dope about my unit is that they're looking at me going, hey, man, whatever you're going to do, we got you. You know, right. they got my back 100. I say all of that to say that there might be a part that comes along that I'm going to think sure. longer and harder about. And, like, it also, you know? you know, we don't even, like we were talking about last week, like we don't even really know what will be controversial yeah. from now yeah. in 20, 15 yeah. years. And, yeah. like, when Gus is 16 or 17, yeah. there yeah. might be something that you don't take because you're like, of course. What does that mean? Yeah, but of course. Of I think it's course. interesting to think about like your art and relationship to your yeah. family, especially yeah. once you become a parent. And I think that that was like, you know, in this book, he goes from performing and being on the road and doing his his hip hop group yeah. to, you know, being like, I can't do that anymore. Like I need to settle down into writing. Yeah. And when I spoke to Juan, he talks about that he's always was a writer. 
mm-hmm. like he always loved writing and I didn't I didn't feel like that came through enough in the book to mm. me like obviously he's writing a book and you know his career now is he's a writer he's a critic a music mm-hmm. and book critic but I was like oh like he talks about writing and like being a poet and that kind of stuff but I always thought like in or through the book I thought that his passion was music mm-hmm. and he kind of communicated to me that and you can hear it in the episode that his passion was more um writing Mm, and like mm-hmm. and we talked about mm-hmm. the difference between performing on stage for instant gratification versus perf- like writing a piece and turning it in and then a few weeks mm-hmm. later it's published and what kind of response that gets mm-hmm. and like that different form of gratification and like kind of, of creating in a chamber i mean you know the difference between making a tv show versus being on broadway like you get that applause right away on broadway yeah. you do that pivot turn yeah. the sparkles hey, hey. applause yeah. like it's done versus yeah. you create a show you work on it yeah. you're filming it for a long time Time, and then with something like Netflix, it comes out all at once. There's a Shea Serrano, and you know, I know you know Shay. You know, I had to bring up Shay when I talked to Juan, and I like fangirled, and he was like, Juan was like, Shay's nice. I was like, oh. <laughs> I well, I her. just was crying about how much I love Shay, so I'm trying to figure out why you're just downplaying. Like, I was, was like, Shay, I have to tell you, I love Shay. Shay's so, so good, man. Well, Shay so had good. that thing that he said. They had the little their little conversation back and forth where Shay said um, he treats fatherhood the same way he treats his craft Mm -hmm. and you have to work every day yeah and that really resonated with me that's how i feel about being a wife yeah it's the truth trace is that you have to work every day because we chose the life that we have and that's what makes us happy right Right. so what i battle with is something that juan discussed a little bit in the book that him and shay were talking about was that balance between your craft and your craft at home Mm -hmm. your roles that we play the Mm -hmm. different coats we put on and it helped me so much to read that part because it defined for me that thing that our art has to reflect our life. Right. You know, and there are times where I'll come home from work and you're beat, you know, mm-hmm. you're comatose. Mm-hmm. And I walk in and there's my man's, you know, wanting to play with his train or wanting to play with his dinosaurs. Right. And, and there are times where I've gone to bed feeling terrible because I didn't play with him that night. Mm-hmm. And I, or I, you know, told Brace if she could play with him, you know, right. And that feeling is the worst. Sure. And but then, and but you also have to allow yourself the opportunity to find the balance. Right. You, I can't just show up and go right into playing because that's another role, you know. Yeah. Like you have to have the energy. I don't want to just be mean to him. Right. And be in a bad mood while I play with the trains, right. you know. Like right. I want to be. That's a con- it's an everyday it's an everyday thought process that I love my wife for forgiving me along the way for right. for having bad days with yeah. it and good days with it. But the know? other part of it is also that you're like part of being a good and this can be any relationship, a good friend, a good spouse, a good parent, a good daughter, whatever, is that it's not just about how you approach the relationship but also how the other person approaches a relationship and finding mm-hmm. that balance like maybe you come home one day and you're like i've got cookies i feel so good mm-hmm. you walk in the door and you're like i'm about to be best dad yeah. ever yeah. and brace is like in a heap on the floor because <laughs> he's been terrible because he's been day terrorizing long. her all day and yeah. then you're like you get irritated with her because oh, you're like oh, i just came in with cookies and I you didn't even say thank you i know like tell me how great i yeah, dad i was totally. today i know but I like know. that's all part of it too it's like sometimes like my husband will come home and i'll be like i made dinner like and he's like i'm exhausted i'm going to bed and i'm literally like okay this is crushing my whole life and (laughs) i want this day to be over and i'm miserable and then finding a way of being like maybe it's not all about you congratulations Uh you found a way to make everything about you again i mean i'll tell you that's that was my first inclination was to always go to like i'm gonna be in control of all of it right and then i had to turn to my partner right and have her be like hey if I'm kind of stressed because our two-year-old has been screaming at me all day, don't put that on yourself. Right. Like, just you keep doing what you're doing. Right. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to go to bed stressed with it, you know? Like, And that was like, oh. You yeah. know, and it, it's all process, man. And he discusses that, and yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah, and he also is not time. writing a parenting book, which no. I also really appreciate. That's what I'm saying. He was just telling <laughs> – exactly. It wasn't a self-help book. He was just – that's why I felt like I was sitting with him and him just kind of telling me, like, hey, man, oh, no – I know what you're talking about when you brought home cookies that day. I know what you mean by that, bro. I've been there. Yeah. And he talks also a lot about his parents and his friend's parents and his friend's family. He says this thing that's like, 
he uses a quote, I can't remember it, but it's something on the lines of like, show me your friends and I'll show you who you are. Mm -hmm. And so he kind of goes on a little deeper and talks about your friends are a reflection of you Mm -hmm. and your friends are also like representation of their parents. Mm -hmm. So like your histories become intertwined and Mm -hmm. that kind of thing. And I really liked thinking about that. Because, you know, every, you've heard the saying, like, you can't choose your family, right? You can't choose your family, but you do get to choose your friends, you get to choose your spouses. And it's interesting to think now, like, as an adult who has friends who are having kids, that who is in my life? Like, who's made it this far in my life? Because I've had plenty of friends in the first 32 years of my life who I'm no longer friends with for a myriad of reasons. Mm. But who's in my life and what does that say about me? And who are their families? Mm. Right. Like who, Mm -hmm. what value sets are still in my life? And like, as I think about, you know, possibly having children, like whose values will be in my kid's life? Mm. You know, I just, I think it's like an interesting thing that he kind of brings up and and he thinks about and, you know, where does a friendship begin and where does a family begin? And like, what's that line? Mm. And, you know, chosen family is a phrase we hear a lot, especially in the queer community, because so many people who are queer don't have families who support them so mm-hmm. they create their own families and what does that look like of course you course. know even being in new york too yeah, you know totally. those pivotal years we were picking our family you know for and sure. you pick your family for all those important years of college and then right. you have your years after but, like, college some of those people are gone i was just gonna say then you, know? you then we're now at the next phase of our life you know where you're out here and it's interesting i i've you know i love a spreadsheet but after reading that section, I was like, I want to go through all my friends in my life and like look at them and look at their families yeah. and like see it's what the common denominator is or, you know, whatever. But I do feel like almost of all my friends that I'm still friends with, who I've been friends with for like mm. 10, I would say 10 or more years, yeah. like I've met all of their parents, mm. yeah. you know, or yeah. most of their parents or at least a parent or a sibling or something. And you think like, those people, even if you've only met them once, are kind of your family. True. Like, you know, I see your mom maybe once every two or mm. two years or three years, but I'm like, yeah, but you're her daughter. Yes. Like, yeah. I get to be like her, yeah. you know, Tracita. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? Tracita, of course. It's true. And so it's just an interesting thing, you know, to think about how important your family is in your day to day relationships, even when you don't think that they are. True. I just, I don't know. I really like that. I love family. I'm a cancer. Me too. Oh, yeah, that's right. Like, no, I'm a, I'm a Gemini, oh, you, but I love family. You're a Gemini? Yeah, June 3rd. How are we friends? We've been battling You are years. a Gemini. This is my nightmare. This thing is over. No, I just really like that. I like family, and I it's like true. the idea of chosen family, and I like the idea of, like, that you're interconnected and and that the people that are in your life are a reflection of you yeah. and that the people whose lives that you're in ref- are a reflection of them. Like, and he and Gus is my ultimate reflector. Right. You know, like I, I, I think about every every time we're going to hang as a fam, you right. think about who's there. You think right. about what they're going to learn. Right. You know, you think about the people in your life right. in the same way that we think about our parents. Is that you know? why you don't want Gus around me? Because he's yeah, going like to become like a <laughs> racial political <laughs> activist and he's going to be like tearing down the patriarchy. He's going like, to walk in the door going, duh, 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 and walk out going, well, father. Yeah. <sighs> Let me just explain something. He's going to be like, dad, do you understand how what you're asking mom to do is supporting the white supremacist patriarchy? I'm like, that's right, Gus. Tell him about it. My whole goal in life is to make sure everyone's kids end up being just like fully part of the Black Panther Party. And if they're not, I'm I've failed as a friend and as a godparent or any other thing. Oh my gosh. That's not a joke either. I made my goddaughter go knock doors with me during the election. I, know. I was like, You're seven. Come on. She, she was like rolling her eyes. But by the end, she was like, Oh, are we doing this again in two years? And I was like, That's right. You just have to go do this terrible thing that you think is going to be horrible and turns out it's amazing and you get free snacks and you'll love it. Do you (laughs) – back on track. One of the other things he talks about, about rap dads and, like, the absentness of fathers is this, like, space for credit Mm. that, like, a lot of people in our generation, in this rap dad, current rap dad generation – feel like they need to announce that they're a present father Mm. and that they're breaking the cycle and that there's this need for credit. I don't really have a question. I was going to say, what do you think about that? I don't know. I think that it's true. I think that part of, there is a part of this book that I'm not wild about because I think it gets like pretty male heavy and like there is a lot of like credit for men who are fathers as if that's an option for women. Like mm. no one's like, oh, congratulations, you showed up for your kids today, mom. 
Mm-hmm. Like the mom. But he is says expect- that. He says right. that in the book. He does say it in the book. But I like for me, it's like sure, men want to have credit for doing this thing that, you know, you were part of having the kid. Mm-hmm. Like it mm-hmm. wasn't like oh, it it wasn't the immaculate conception, right? Mm-hmm. It wasn't like all of a sudden Mary showed up and was like, I'm pregnant, and Joseph mm-hmm. was like, okay. You know, like, I get that if Joseph was like, nah, fuck it, I'm not going to take care of this kid. Mm-hmm. Like, that would make sense to me. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I, I think that, like, we often overlook how major mothers are. And we give so much credit to dads for being present or showing up. And, like, he does acknowledge that. And he talks about his mom a lot and how great she was and how hard she worked and, you know, how he took advantage of her sometimes when he was a teenager and, like, whatever, like, that he fucked up and all that. But when he talked – like, he talked to a rapper, Fonte, Mm -hmm. who was, like, fathers are the first line of defense for a family and fathers Mm -hmm. this. And it was, like, so fathers heavy. And I get it. It's rap dad. It's not rap parents. But sometimes that's, like, a turnoff to me because I just think we don't acknowledge the role – of women, especially women who are struggling to be parents. Yeah. Like if you're if you're able to be a stay-at-home mom, which I know is a really fucking hard job, there is some level of privilege to that. And I feel like those women often get a lot of credit for the work that they do. And I feel mm. like a lot of women who are battling to be moms through a lot of other, like they're still, you know, have careers and they still, you know, are maybe they're the single provider or whatever that is. I think that like, they don't get the same credit that a dad who stays around does. Hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? Uh-huh. Of course. Of course. So I, I that part like kind of irked me a little bit. Hmm. And I it's not so much Juan as it is just like that conversation in general. Hmm. Like hmm. that for staying around, for doing your j- duty as a parent, men get credit. And for staying around and doing your duty as a mom, you're a mom. Hmm. Like you that's the bare minimum, of course. I read it slightly different. Okay. I read that he was saying exactly what you're saying, that, 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 dude, moms are rocks. You're superhuman, you know? So, well, let me just tell you how I felt when I read that. Okay. That's part of when I cried. <laughs> but I think it's because he was talking to me. Right. I don't know if it's outright credit, but I think... I think why I reson why I appreciated that part specifically is because of him explaining that what he feels he knows is ridiculous. Sure. Does that make sense? Sure. There are days where I get exactly what he means. And then I go to bed and go, What are you talking about, Josh? Right. Like you just went to work and got home in time to give him dinner and put him to bed. Why should you feel a pat on your back? Right. And I don't have any opinions about that. Yeah. But it's a thing that comes up inside of you. I punish myself for it. Sure. So reading him explain that was like, oh, man, I get you, bro. Sure. And then, of course, the conversation, the much bigger conversation is different. I agree with everything you're saying. You know, like the, well, the, dude, yeah. the role, the the the, the roles. Uh, in truth, the roles are being redefined as we as right. in the times that we're in. You and know, also like I think the expert. I mean, I think part of the problem also that people like never really want to talk about when it comes to parenting, and I think it's kind of crazy that we don't talk about it more. Is that a lot of this like absent parenting is also systemic, like through the way that our government treats children and parenting. Mm-hmm. Like we don't, mm-hmm. you know, in other countries you get a whole year of maternity or paternity leave mm. and other countries like childcare is easy to find and affordable. Mm. And mm-hmm. part of being a parent or part of being a working parent is that that's available to you. Mm-hmm. And so we put undue stress on parents, men and women working and not working to make parenting be harder than it needs to be. Mm. And like I, as a non-parent, I see the work that parents do Mm. and I think, fuck, that's so hard. Mm. Like, so I get, I mean, I don't get it, but like I can see as an outsider, like that looks like no fun. Mm. That looks hard and annoying and ordering at a restaurant looks like no fun Mm -hmm. and having to go to a public bathroom looks like no fun. Dude, even the discussion before you get to the restaurant is tough. (laughs) I mean, like getting in a car seat looks like no fun. And that's like day-to-day stuff. I'm not even talking about like having to have a conversation about a school shooting or like having to talk to your kids about why other children are in cages in the border of the country that you live in. Like I 
I think that being a parent is hard enough. And I think that there is not enough responsibility taken on by the country that we live in mm. to make it easy to want to be a parent or to mm. make it easy to be a parent. And that's not even talking about, obviously, like in the black and brown communities, so many mm. people, so many men are in jail mm. because the government has crazy fucking laws about stupid shit like drugs, nonviolent drug offenses that have many many men in jail and then they become the villains of the story and it's you know it's this horrible cycle and then that forces the women to have to work extra jobs so they don't get to be there and then their mm -hmm. kids aren't supervised and like mm -hmm. you know it's a whole just it's a total train wreck in certain communities but separate from that i'm just talking about the way that we treat like there are bathrooms that don't even have changing tables like that's fucking dumb why are you making this harder you want me to put my kid on the actual ground their naked body mm. in this nasty bathroom that you super did not clean Panera. It's not clean. <laughs> like I see dirt, mm -hmm. you know? So like, I appreciate, like, I think that credit, I think that parents should get credit for being parents, men, women, a gender, whatever, mm -hmm. for raising another child, for being an adoptive parent, a grandparent, an aunt, whatever it is. But I also think that there is like a general sense that dads can do less and get more credit. Mm. You know, well, can I tell you what I took from Juan? What he taught me was yeah. there are times where the ego wants credit. Yeah. And he said, I think I'm paraphrasing, but he said that the credit comes 20 years down the road. Sure. Remember, you know, I feel like he said yeah. that right when the kids grow up and that I, that's I'm pretty right. sure that's when I started crying. That's where correct. where it where it made my my heart kind of calm down a little mm -hmm. bit because it made that's what I struggle with. I check in with myself every day. I check in with Brace every day. We're always talking about where Gus is at in his journey, right? Mm -hmm. You know, whether it be talking or whether it be potty training or whether it be running or whatever. Mm -hmm. And him talking about that, the roles that used to exist and now mm -hmm. we're redefining them. And when you are trying, I think a lot about my dad. Over Christmas Eve, we went to a party we were driving home. It was me driving, uh, Brace in the passenger seat. My little sister Becky was here. Mr. Prudent was here. Mm. And we went together and Gus was there. Uh, Mr. Prudent is a friend of ours for the listeners. And um, they were all sleeping. Brace and I were in the front. They were all sleeping in the back. And we were driving back from this Christmas Eve party. And all I thought about was my dad. Because it made me, I thought about every party that we went to as a kid where my dad, my dad was driving us home. Mm -hmm. And I'd fall asleep in the car. Mm-hmm. I never thought about their mental space. It right. was about me, whatever I was thinking as a kid. Right. And it just made me realize that, like, my pop wasn't doing it for credit. Right. He was doing it because me, his oldest son, wanted to go to boardwalk and baseball. Right. He wanted to make sure his family got home safe after the Christmas Eve party. Right. And that is all learned to me right now. Yeah. You know, like, it's all something that I'm loving going through. Yeah. You know, it's not easy. I say loving to put a better term on it mm -hmm. because there are times, like I said, that you try to figure it out and you think you're doing the wrong thing. Right. I think I'm, yeah, it's learned, you know, and yeah. it's, and uh, yeah, I, I, I appreciate, I, I, thanks for bringing that part of the book up because I, that part definitely can go a million different ways. Mm -hmm. But from what I took of what he's saying was one, the women in our lives are rock stars, man. But yeah, I think he was, yeah. You're right. He wasn't talking to everybody, but he was definitely talking to me. Yeah. You know, he's yeah. definitely talking to me. I, I mean, I've really, I appreciated so much of what he said. And, you know, like I said, what I took from that wasn't all from what he said. But yeah, just, yeah, no, the bigger conversation. That's why you got me thinking yeah. so much of the bigger conversation because it's, it's just that. It's, 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 we're redefining all these things, you know. But in truth, man, the partnership of parenting is what, is what's, uh, is what's incredible, man. Okay, well, I have one last thing, and that's just the cover. Oh. What do you think of it? It's Rap Dad has some cassette tapes with the subtitle, and then Juan. I feel like Juan paid me to be here because yeah. I love it, dude. I love that it's straight. I just, I love that it says Rap Dad. I just like it. Uh, I like that it's clean. I like that it's straightforward. I like the I like that it looks kind of like Run DMC, you mm -hmm, know. Like mm -hmm. I like that it's just powerful capital bold letters, and I like that it gives strength to hip hop fathers. I like yeah. that it makes me feel strong. I I was carrying it around with me at work, and people be like, "Hey, what's that rap dad?" Mm. You know, and be like, "Oh, it's about right hip hop." Blah 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 blah, and be like, "Oh, cool." I feel like it's quick and to the point. Yeah, you know, totally. 
I, de- I definitely think? feel like, what, what do what I do think? think? Yeah. I think it's a very straightforward cover, yeah. which I like. Um, I love black and white. I yeah. think black and white always works. Yeah. Um, it's one of my favorite color combinations. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. I mean, it's not like, I don't know if it's my favorite cover ever made in the history of the world, but I think for what the book is and what yeah. the cover is, True. I think it's like totally right on. I like the track list at the end too. I was love writing down list. all the songs as he was going. Then I got to the end. I was like, oh, of course. Good thinking, bro. Yeah. So if you're reading it and you're like, wait, <laughs> yeah, do I, that, yeah. Yeah, there's just a track list. I'm sure there's a Spotify playlist that exists too yes truth someone truth. totally put that i together. have it i oh, got it oh perfect <laughs> but yeah i like the cover i just yeah it's again it's nothing special like it's not a cover that i'll probably remember in 10 years but like for what it is right now and like when i see it i'm like this is that this is the book True. this cover is the book for sure it gave me the cover i think represents the book and the book has helped me find a little bit more identity within myself that's Not, so good. But it's the truth, man. Like I, I even said it to you when you sent it to me. I was like, oh, yeah, that sounds super cool. And as we're reading it, Trace, I just appreciate you, man. Like oh. it's, it just it taught me a lot. And it, it uh, and Juan, wherever you're at, dog, I appreciate you, man. It just yeah. uh, the journey you're going through is is one that we all admire and respect. And yeah, it's all day by day, right? Just trying to be good examples for our little ones. That's so good. I think we should end there. Yeah. You summed it up. Um, Thank you guys so much for listening. And thank you, Josh, for coming on. And we'll be back next week with a special guest. I won't tell you who it is, but I know. (laughs) Thank you. And we'll see you guys in the stacks. That does it for us today on the stacks. Thank you guys so much for listening. And thank you to Josh Segarra for being our guest. I also want to say a huge thank you to the people over at Atria for sending the Stacks a copy of Rap Dad. And make sure if you haven't yet, go listen to the Short Stacks episode with Juan Vidal to hear about his process in writing Rap Dad. For more from the Stacks, follow us on social media using the links in the show notes and see our articles and reviews on the website. Also, make sure you're shopping through the links in the show notes to help the Stacks earn a small commission. Join the Stacks pack to get inside access to this show, like perks and the virtual book club. There's a lot more over there, so go check out patreon.com slash the stacks and join the fun. Our graphic designer is Robin McCrite, and our theme music is from Tagirajis. This show was created and produced by me, Tracy Thomas.